Hey guys, happy Wednesday. Today is day 80 of 100. I cannot believe that tomorrow starts phase five of this program. I have 20 workouts left. I'm so proud of myself. I honestly never thought I'd get to this point. I thought that I would give up because that's what I've always, always done. And it's been great to find a community that I can plug into. My Beachbody sisters, this amazing community of weight loss supporters on Instagram. Y'all have really helped push me to get to this point and I'm, I'm so grateful. There is one big part of my story I haven't shared with you guys yet. And that's my cancer story. I am a cervical and ovarian cancer survivor. And that played a big factor in a lot of my stuff. So a few years ago, I believe it was in 2014, my friend Allison, who I had known since elementary school, asked me to be the survivor speaker at a Relay for Life event. For those of you who don't know what Relay for Life is, it's like a two-day parade and you have teams. And at every hour of every minute of this two-day event, someone from your team is walking laps in honor of those who are currently fighting and in memory of those who lost their battle to any form of cancer. So it's a really cool organization. If you have one near you, I strongly suggest you plug in with them and get hooked up and go volunteer or raise funds or form a team. But I wrote a speech that year and I'm going to read it to you guys because it has my story thrown in along with my mom's story, because a lot of what I'm going to talk about over these next 20 days are things that have really contributed to my mental health and to my weight gain. And my cancer journey and losing my mom to cancer are two things that play a big, big factor that I feel like I haven't really touched on. I feel like lately I've been less personal with my podcast and more general, and I want to make these last 20 episodes more personal. So that's that's what I'm going to do tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and read this to you guys, and then I'm going to give you an update on where my health is at currently right now as of today, and then hopefully this opens up a conversation to where we can have conversations about awareness and about screenings and how important that is. All right, I'm going to try to get through this without crying, but no promises. Hearing the words, you have cancer, can be scary. Hearing those words at 20 years old can be shocking. But hearing those words after losing your own mother to cancer 16 months before, that was absolutely devastating. I felt numb and I didn't know how to react. I hadn't properly grieved my mother's death and I felt like I was being hit by a ton of bricks. I was working part-time and attending college. I didn't have time for cancer. I straight up told my doctor, there must be some mistake. Your tests are wrong. I don't have cancer. I don't even feel sick. Tears ran down my face and I banged my fist on her desk. I was 20. Cancer doesn't happen to people my age. My life was just beginning, and this had to be some sort of bad dream. All I had to do was close my eyes and wake myself up. Let me digress to when cancer first affected my life. I was 16 years old, had worked my first day at my first real job, and I felt so grown up and accomplished. I walked in the door with a huge smile on my face, and it felt So proud of what I had just done. Pretty sure I had every condiment from the deli on my shirt and my pants, but I was still smiling. All I wanted to do was tell my mom about my first day. Tell her how I burned my arm twice in the oven, listen to her laugh, 
as I told her how long it took me to make a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. I knew my mom would be upstairs in bed, so I headed up to her room. For a few months, she had been battling a pretty bad cold, and earlier when I left, she was taking a nap and was running a fever. She'd feel better for a day or two, then she'd get knocked back down again. My stepdad and I considered ourselves really lucky for not catching what she had. As I walked into the room, my huge smile quickly went away when I noticed my, my mom was crying. I sat down next to her and she immediately grabbed a hold of my hand. She told me that her doctor called earlier that evening to tell her that she had acute myeloid leukemia. She told me that she needed to start chemotherapy immediately, and two days later she was admitted to Kaiser Sacramento and started a 29-day course of treatment. We spent Christmas and New Year's of 2005, I'm sorry, I totally read that wrong, of 2002 in the hospital. I watched my tough-as-nails mom throw up, lose all of her hair, and for the first time in my eyes, look weak. For the first time in my life, my mom wasn't home when I got home. She wasn't there to proofread my papers. She wasn't there to help me pick out an outfit for a date with my boyfriend. She wasn't there to paint my nails or braid my hair. We talked all the time, and I visited her almost every single day in the hospital. Those were the longest 29 days of my life. She did four more rounds of chemotherapy over the first few months of 2003 and was declared intermission. I had my mommy back. We spent the next two years making new memories, ones that didn't involve hospitals, lab work, pick lines, or puke buckets. I continued playing sports and I graduated high school with my biggest cheerleader right by my side where she belonged. After watching what my mom had gone through and falling in love with her favorite nurse, Heather, I decided to pursue a job in healthcare. I enrolled at Western Kirk College and began studying to become a medical assistant to get my foot in the door. My mom had written me a letter of recommendation and didn't let me read it until after I was accepted into the program. In that letter, she expressed how caring I had always been as a child and how passionate I was to help others get through rough times. She said I was the perfect combination for a nurse. On January 19th, 2005, my world came crashing down. I was hanging out at the mall with some of my friends when my mom called. She told me that her leukemia had come back and she had to start chemotherapy all over again the following week. I didn't know what to think. All I knew is that my mom is a fighter and she had beat it before and she could do it again. We got her all packed and ready for her one-week stay. Once again, my life was consumed with hospitals, lab work, pick lines, and puke buckets. I spent every single day with her, and I hardly left her side. The following week, she was sent home. Unknown to us at the time, she had contracted a bladder infection. That infection spread like wildfire with no immune system to fight it off. On February 7, 2005, my mother lost her battle, surrounded by her family. Still to this day, I can feel her squeeze my hand one last time before the monitors were turned off and her heart came to a rest. I spent the next few months very angry. I was angry with God that he would take her away from me when I still needed her. I was angry with Kaiser for not treating her infection before allowing her to leave the hospital after chemo. I was angry with my mom for not fighting to stay with me. I finished my schooling that October and in November I moved back to my hometown to live with my grandpa. He took my mother's death very hard, and it felt good to be there for him. It felt really good to feel needed again. 
As I sat in that doctor's office, I felt so alone. The only person that I wanted to talk to was my mom. She would know exactly what to do. She would know exactly how to handle the situation. I spent the next three months doing various tests, getting to know my OBGYN very well, and meeting my first oncologist. I went through my first, but definitely not my last, cold knife cone biopsy. Fast forward to a year post-surgery, and I had horrible pains on my right side. I thought for sure I was suffering from, a, from an appendicitis, and I went to the emergency room. After a few tests, the ER doctor informed me that I had a massive cyst on my right ovary. I needed to seek out my primary care physician immediately. As I walked into her office three hours later, I was scared and shaking. I underwent more testing and turned out that I had ovarian cancer. I was so confused. Didn't I just go through cervical cancer? Why was this happening to me again? I was told I would need a pick line for outpatient chemotherapy that would need to start the following week. I was really, really scared. The next few months consisted of hospitals, lab work, pick lines, and puke buckets. I was right in the middle of finals and having to write a psych paper when all I wanted to do was sleep. I kept my grades up by the grace of God over the next few weeks, and I had never felt exhaustion quite like that before. I took a leave of absence from my job and focused on beating cancer. By December 2007, I was good to go. Six months later, I developed cancerous cysts on my left ovary. At the ripe age of 22, I made the decision to have both my ovaries removed. I went through the process of retrieving my eggs and in the summer of 2008 had both ovaries removed. I figured if there's nothing left for the cancer to attach itself to, I had won my battle. At that time, I didn't fully grasp the, re the reality of that situation. All I knew was that I had plans for my life that didn't include any more cancer or surgery. I wanted to live my life. Looking back now, making that decision was one of the hardest decisions I ever made. Through all of this, my best friend Matt was by my side. My grandfather kept urging us to get married, and we would always laugh it off. The night my grandfather passed away in 2010, Matt stayed the night at my house, and he basically never left. One month later, we were living in our own apartment and starting our life together. Two years later, we were married. The man who had seen me at my absolute worst, yet he would still tell me that I was the most beautiful girl in the world. 33 days after we were married, my stepmom was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. She started chemo right away, but we knew her diagnosis was not good. The cancer had already metastasized to her brain, and she had two tumors in her lung. She did a few rounds of chemo, then decided that hospice care was best, and on April 26, 2013, my stepmom went to be with the angels. For the first time in my life, I held my dad as he cried. With my medical history, I was still getting regular pap smears. I was down to every six to eight months. Since 2008, I had had normal paps. No signs of cancer at all. In October 2013, I went in for my pap and my doctor and I discussed in vitro fertilization. She gave me the name of a great fertility specialist in San Francisco. One week later... I was just getting home when my doctor called to tell me that my pap had come back abnormal. My heart completely sank. Given my history, she wanted me to come in the next day for a biopsy. It was like deja vu all over again. This wasn't supposed to happen. I was better now. I remember feeling very angry. But within seconds, that feeling went away. 
I had contemplated having a full hysterectomy at the age of 22, and now at 27 it seemed like the right thing to do. I prayed long and hard about making that decision. Luckily, the cancer was caught very early, and I was able to undergo two LEAP procedures without any further treatment. The thing about cancer is that it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, what country your family is from, how old you are, whether you have a job, whether you're in college, whether you have kids or grandkids. Cancer can affect anyone from all walks of life. But the thing that cancer cannot do is take away the light within yourself, the light that shines even in your darkest moments, the light that keeps burning while you sleep 10 hours after your first chemo treatment. My hope today is that you never let that light burn out. You always look for the good in everything and everyone. You never let your diagnosis define who you are. To my fellow survivors, as you walk that first lap with me today, I ask that you shine your light. Let the angels in heaven who have lost their battles be blinded by how bright we shine. And most importantly, smile because nothing can take that away from you. Whew, okay, I don't remember that being that hard to read. Cervical cancer at age 20. Ovarian cancer at age 22. Cervical cancer at age 27. I'm 33. I'm almost six years cancer-free. And my last pap just came back abnormal for the first time. Now, I don't know what is making it abnormal. We're going to retest in four weeks. And go from there. I currently don't have medical insurance, but my paps are something that I've always kept up with, no matter if I had insurance or not, because of my history. My last pap was a year ago, and it was normal. And the three before that have all been normal. So I sit here now, scared, but hopeful that there are so many things that can make a pap come back abnormal. I mean, you could have some, like, weird bacteria from laundry soap. You know what I mean? Like, there are so many things that can affect a test. I mean, maybe the area wasn't cleaned enough. Like, I mean, there's there's so many things that can affect a pap smear that aren't related to cancer. I'm trying not to think about it. I'm trying to just live in the moment, in the now, and it's really hard because of my history. Every time I've had an abnormal pap, it's been cancer. So I sit here right now feeling alone because I've never gone through this without Matt by my side. And that's really hard. You know, the man that I had loved and thought I was spending the rest of my life with is no longer my person. He has since moved on and I have to do the same. But I know that even if I do have to gear up for another battle, I have an amazing support system behind me. And then I'm going to be okay. I'm going to figure this out. And I'm ready for whatever life throws at me. 
I'm becoming the healthiest version of myself right now. And I'm not going to let anything get in the way of that. Making the decision to have my ovaries removed was definitely one of the hardest things because I've, I love kids. I've wanted to be a mom since I was a teenager. Luckily, I was not because I was not ready as a teenager. But I feel like that's one of the reasons I love my job so much now is because I get to be around kids all day long. I get to nurture them and teach them and I get to play with them and I develop relationships and bonds with them. And I've always wanted to feel that mother-child bond. And I don't know if I ever will. I don't know if I'm going to have kids. I don't know. At this point, I don't think I'm going to have biological children just because of the fact that my eggs have been frozen for so long. And now that I'm divorced, like, it's not like I'm going to have a baby anytime soon. So we will see what happens with that, with that situation over the coming years, I guess. But I am grateful to have my health. I'm grateful. This is going to sound really weird, but I'm grateful that I had cancer because it made me strong. Cancer has torn my family apart. Children aren't supposed to lose their moms at 18. I lost her at a time that I needed her the most. And when she died, I was very lost. I was getting into drugs. I was in an abusive relationship. I got pregnant during that relationship and chose to have an abortion. And that's a decision that I have to live with. Looking back, I would have made the same decision. I know that it was the right decision to make, but it was still really, really hard to make that decision. I know that everyone's life is difficult, right? We all go through our shit. Some more than others, maybe. Sometimes I feel like my entire world is crashing down. But I'm slowly realizing that I need to have more faith. I need to give myself more grace. I need to be more patient with myself. I need to speak kindly to myself. I need to learn to love myself a little bit more. And for goodness gracious, I need to stop being so hard on myself and stop beating myself up for my past and for my past decisions. Because I am not the same woman I am today as I was five years ago or ten years ago. I've learned a lot. I've loved and I've lost. And I've realized it doesn't matter the things that you go through. It matters how you react to them. It matters how you stand up for yourself. Life is always going to throw stuff at you. Whether you're on a weight loss journey or not, 
life is always going to throw stuff at you. And you know what? You just have to learn to roll with the punches and figure it out. And if that particular day something knocks you down and you don't hit any of your goals you have, who gives a fuck? Tomorrow is a new day. And not everybody wakes up tomorrow. And not everybody is promised a tomorrow. So try your best every day to do your best. And sometimes if your best is just getting through your day, then just get through your day. Try a little more the next day. I did not lose 76 pounds by sitting on my ass complaining that I was overweight. I got up and I did something. Not every day is going to be easy. But every single day that you complete a workout or you hit your calorie goal or you experience a non-scale victory, that makes every day that you struggle worth it. There is beauty in the pain. There is beauty at the end of this dark-ass tunnel that you feel like you're in. There is light. Let that light into your life. If you guys have questions about anything that I talked about tonight, feel free to hit me up on Instagram. Sweating until happy with some underscores thrown in after every word. I hope you did something today that your future self will thank you for. I'm going to go blow my nose and go to bed. (laughs) Good night, guys.